What is up, Pistons fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Three Rings Podcast. My name is Benox Roop, and today I'm joined by Aiden Mulcrone. We are out. Neil Sinha is out for this episode. He's actually in Spain right now. So it'll just be us two kind of recapping the Pistons and, you know, their recent the recent win streak. But, uh, yeah, let's just get into it. Aiden, how you been? I've been good. I've been waiting for spring break. I know you guys are on spring break right now, but I'm waiting for mine. <laughs> yes, sir. Enjoying the spring break and enjoying the Detroit Pistons. They're winning some games as of recently. You know, they had the win against the Celtics before All-Star, All-Star weekend. Then they come out and beat the Cavs, lose to the Celtics again, but then beat the Hornets in a dramatic fashion. Kelly Olenek with a buzzer beater. They fall to the Wizards, and today they played the Raptors, as you guys are listening to this podcast. But the Pistons, they've been looking kind of, kind of nice. So just to head into it, so what do you guys, what do you think has like been like the biggest difference so far for the team as as they've kind of, kind of put it together, kind of put a string of wins? Honestly, it might be part of it. Might just be the fact that they got a break. I think I think just not playing every night and not traveling every night has been part of it. Uh, obviously, you know Grant. I think has looked a lot smoother since his injury. I think Bagley has. You know he's been he's been okay, but he's figuring out like what this team is about more than anything and like you know they're about development and growth and I don't know I don't know if he sees the vision of you know Dwayne Casey and Troy Weaver yet obviously he's gonna be a free agent this summer but uh I think he does I think he does want to you know play in a role that you know could get him a contract next year um and just showed that, you know, Sacramento was the problem and he's not the problem. But yeah, besides that, Cade has been taking over. Um, he, I mean, yeah, he's come close to triple doubles and stuff and over the past few games. And obviously, yeah, like I said, Jeremy has been playing better. But what, what do you think? Yeah, I think actually Jeremy Grant's like emergence kind of, he still has, he still had a couple of rough games, but it feels like he's, I don't want to say like, accept, but he's kind of getting a little bit more comfortable with his role. Um, you know, when he first came back from that thumb injury, I believe he had, you know, he, he kind of just went to being back to that primary option. But the problem was that like, we had Cade at the time we had Sadiq, like, it wasn't like last year where he had all the leeway to be the number one guy. Now it feels like we have some players that can also be, primary options and I feel like now Grant as of recently is just kind of he's been kind of mellow like he's been putting up good numbers I mean he had 26 against both the Wizards and the Hornets but it's a lot more efficient you know I feel like he's not forcing it he's not he still does he still does from time to time and still probably needs to work on that but I think he's kind of he's kind of accepting that role in a sense where we know it's like it's Kate's kind of Kate is going to be the foundation piece and Grant's is kind of there for the ride but a big part of this too, not only with Grant is Sadiq Bay, which is something we can get into now. That um, Sadiq Bay, uh, he, when Grant was when he was first playing with Grant and they ran like Bay and Grant in the starting lineup, Sadiq went on the most massive shooting slump ever I think I've ever seen. Like nothing was going in. I mean, 
you had fans, you had yeah, even us. I think we were talking on one of our podcasts. Should even go to the G League? Like it was that bad. And now <laughs> to see Sadiq to the point where he is now, and he's like dropping twenty. I mean, he'll obviously he's still learning on to be more you know consistent, but he's like dropping 20, 20 point games and the three points. I feels like if Sadiq is on, the team is on. So um, yeah, this this kind of gets into a little little nugget in, in this discussion about his ceiling. So when he was first drafted. I think I think I speak for a lot of Pistons fans when we just thought he was just going to be a three and D player, probably like the J. I'm not going to say the J. I mean, when you think of three and D, you probably think of Jake. I don't know why. I just think of Jay Crowder. That's like the only three and D player that comes to mind. I mean, there's sure there's a ton of them, but um, or like Joe Ingles, you know, comes he came in as someone who was just going to be a sniper and play defense. Then we see at the beginning of this season, he has a little bit more in his bag to show and. And again, like I still think probably a little bit better than a three and D player. But as of recently, I think, I think his ceiling is like the there's always like the optimistic Pistons fans that were really saying he could be, you know, that Chris Middleton type player. And and like I always, I was like, I would not always like to hype up my own players, but um take it with a grain of salt. So, but now like I think Sadiq Bay, he's kind of pushing the limits on saying, what do you think about what do you think about the ceiling uh for Sadiq? Well, first off, I just want to say I don't think me personally, at least, never said that he should should be in the G League this year at any point. But I did criticize him a lot. Um, he did have, you know, people call it a sophomore slump. Um, but I think his ceiling is definitely below Chris Middleton. Obviously, Chris Middleton has not been, you know, what he was like last year. Um, but I still think he's kind of a role player and he could be, you know, he could be a starter on a team, but he, he, I don't know why, but he seems like such like a heat culture player. Like you talk about a guy who's gritty and like, he just, yeah, he, if he played on the heat, he would be the most like. Miami Heat, like Eric Spolstra Heat culture player that you could make. Um, that's just yeah, like like you were saying, he he was a three and D guy. I still don't think he's gonna really get an expanded role once we start, you know, making the playoffs and you know once this team starts becoming complete. Um, but yeah, he could still be a starter, but I don't think he gets to that All Star level. And I mean, I don't know if he really gets super close to it either, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at about, about it. And I think it's kind of, you know, he's seeing an expanded role a lot like Jeremy Grant, but I do, I do think he could be like what Jeremy Grant was on Denver with, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but probably a, definitely a better score than that, but I, I could see that as kind of like, you know, his ideal role for the future. You know, it's kind of crazy to think about just like in retrospect that our lowest pick 19 was ended up being our best one. I even saw somewhere where they're saying Sadiq could be like the best player in his draft class, which obviously pumped the brakes and like, let's calm down. Like there's a lot of yeah. great players, but I mean, it is, it does have to be said that, you know, Sadiq Bay is like kind of played himself into into that not discussion of best player but he's in like i'd say like the top seven top eight i mean yeah. he was first team all rookie wasn't he last yeah. year so 
I mean, yeah, he definitely he definitely has uh, been top, you know, ten, top five. But yeah, and also also played great in the uh, the All Star Weekend game. You know, I think uh, he would have won the MVP too had the uh, I forgot what team he was on, but whatever team they were playing, whatever team they were on, if it was Isaiah or whatever, I think he would have won MVP. So I think Sadiq Bey is definitely. He's definitely showing a lot more this year than what we originally thought. And maybe I guess it could hamper what not hamper, but it could be another element to the Pistons plan. But I am also I also see where, where you're coming from, where, you know, he may he's he's a great player right now, but he may not be the foundation, not, not necessarily one of the main foundational pieces as like as we would think Kate is or if the draft works out a Jabari, Chet or Apollo type player. But um, but yeah, um. So moving on with the other another recent Pistons news, Isaiah Livers makes his debut. You know, I read an article um, about how he came back in December. He played, I think, five minutes against the Pacers in a blowout win. And then his foot just gave out on him again. And he's been rehabbing and rehabbing. And now Isaiah Livers is finally playing. I think feel like a lot of Pistons fans, a lot of Pistons fans have been waiting for livers to play i don't know what are your what are your thoughts on livers and how do you see him kind of fitting into the team in these like last 24 24-ish games yeah well you look at the direction obviously they've been winning some games and you know they've been they've been improving and i mean maybe maybe you want to lose a few more games and you know sit you know Sadiq if you want or Jeremy um and then play him I think I think the fact that he kind of got you know over half a season to just sit and just kind of watch is helpful and I think I think someone like Killian Hayes uh benefited a little bit from that last season where he would just kind of sat and watch when he was injured so I think that's that's something um, obviously he played all right when he was, when he was in against the Pacers, he, he wasn't too bad. He, uh, I think he made, he made that one three that, uh, yeah, a lot of people on Twitter were pretty excited about, but yeah, obviously him being a local guy makes it much more important to, to, you know, the fans that, you know, he, he is healthy and, you know, he plays well. But in terms of his role, yeah, like he's – I mean, he's still a bench player. And, you know, maybe you can develop him into, you know, a decent, you know, 3D guy if you want. Or if you want to try to develop him into a into a four, which is kind of a stretch. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It depends on – it really depends on who they draft next year. So, I think that – that's important. And obviously, if you can get anything out of second round picks, that's a dub. Yeah, the one thing I'll say about Livers, and this also kind of goes to Killian Hayes too, Killian Hayes kind of a bit. I think Isaiah Livers, he's a little bit different from other rookies in the sense where I feel like because he's like 23 years old, he's a lot more mature. I think he knows his role. Like he's not going to force it, force the air too much. Like he knows he's going to be mainly as of right now, just like, you know, a spot-up shooter who can play defense. Anytime you can get those two things, the three and D, I mean, it's it's always a win. So I think Livers understanding his role, you know, it's probably going to be like a bench guy, like you said. Um, I think it'll be great for the Pistons. I think, I mean, if you saw him at Michigan, you could argue that he was probably one of the best players on the team, on a team with Franz Wagner, 
on a team of Franz Wagner. Um, he was probably one of the best players on the Michigan team, but I think coming into the NBA is it's kind of an adjustment for him. And yeah, I mean, he's played, he's played okay. He's played decent in the minutes he's gotten only playing like 10 minutes, but I mean, I'm just glad to finally see him play. Like I feel like it'd been so long and yeah, that kind of this, you also alluded to us um, earlier in what you were saying, it kind of takes us to the next point about are the Pistons actually winning too much? So if we look at the tanking, I'll just read off, read off some of the records right now. Sacramento is sitting at 23 and 40. Indiana is 21 and 42. Oklahoma City, the Thunder are 19 and 42. Houston, 15 wins, 15 and 46. And Detroit and Orlando are tied for having the worst record at 15 and 47. Now, so this kind of brings up a little point where the Pistons have been really fun to watch. I'd say like, this is probably, probably, they had a, a, a little decent stretch in January, but I think this stretch, this seem, this sort of stretch where they're being a lot more competitive in the games, even that they are losing, for example, the Wizards game was a competitive game. That would be like a game that the Pistons usually would just give up in the third quarter, but then they beat the Hornets too. They snapped their streak. So what do you think about, how do you think the Pistons should kind of go about this thing where they're like winning games and it's being, it's fun for the fans, but also do you think at some point they may, they may like, I don't know, rest start resting players or kind of similar to what, what happened at the end of the season when your boy, Josh Jackson had a toothache and it's just like, screw it. You know, I can't play today. What, what do you think on like, are, are they winning too much? Well, I have a couple of things about that. I think the first is Orlando's not going to catch them. And they're where they are right now is probably, you know, if if the Rockets end up winning a few games and then they can be the second worst team in the league, that would probably be ideal. But, I mean, it depends. Because besides last year, where obviously they got the number one pick, the Pistons have had the worst lottery luck of any team. I swear they pick yeah. eight every year for whatever the mediocre SVG years. They trade, yeah, or they trade the pick away yeah. or, you know. So, I, I mean, obviously uh, the 2020 when they drafted Killian Hayes, I think they had the – fifth worst record in the league and then ended up picking seventh yeah so I think I think you know having one of the three worst records is big because I don't think they'll catch Indiana either um so I think they're stuck as second to worst team in the in the east but it, it depends because obviously yeah Obviously, there's a there's a drop off between, you know, picking seventh and picking second because you know obviously there's the big three with Chet, Paolo, and Jabari this year. Yep. And I don't know, you know, the 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 jury's still out on Jaden Ivey on whether you know is he a top three player? Is he better than one of those other three guys? Um, and then, yeah, obviously there's, there's a big drop off. So it, it depends on who you want. And I think they're definitely big on Jabari Smith. So I don't know. How do you feel about it? You, I know you got, you and, uh, Neil are big J Nivey guys. 
Yeah, that's why, like, I'm not, like, this is not, like, last year where I felt like if you didn't get top three, it's kind of a major job. Although, I mean, you could say, I mean, Scotty Barnes and uh, Josh, we're going to get into that, too, a little bit. But um, I think this year, like, I feel pretty content with, like, a top six-ish pick. Like, I feel like, because the weird thing this year is, like, although there is a kind of a three of Chet, Paulo, and Jabari, I mean, Johnny Davis is also great. You know, Jaden Ivey, like you mentioned, even someone like Shaden Sharp, AJ Griffin. Like, it's not like I don't think like there's as big of a gap between these players. It's more so just how do you like, how do you project? How do you project these players? But I do think the Pistons, they, I'm fine with them winning a couple. I'm fine with them winning like a couple more games. Like I'm, I'm completely fine with them. If they want to go on a little win streak, you know, get the momentum going. But they do play. They play the Pacers the magic the thunder and then the pacers so those games against the thunder and the magic and pacers i think those games are games where the pistons may need to start resting some players i don't think we're at that point in the season just yet but i could definitely see you know 10 games out you know it's just like it's not worth it at this point because while you do want the young players to get the reps you also at the same time you're you're looking you have to look at the long-term picture and a top like a seventh the seventh pick is is not as valuable as like you know like the third or the fifth pick and if they get the second best odds the worst they could fall to is six so I mean I think the Pistons they just they can they can win right now and I I'm fine like if they want to it's actually it's fine if they win games because it is good but as long as like they there's like a balance like I know it's kind of weird to say it you know from a fan's perspective compared to like a like a player and a coach are always coaching to win but the reality is I mean the Pistons again have a shot to get a top three pick and not, I wouldn't say that would accelerate the rebuild, but I mean, it would definitely, it would definitely help. It would definitely help. To I'll say you. Yeah. I'll say it. it'll accelerate. The it'll rebuild. accelerate and I yeah. think, I mean, yeah, I think winning a few games is important just for like the team morale and everything. I mean, I wanted them to beat Washington. Yeah. I was like, no. Oh my God. I was kind of, I was kind of bummed that they lost that game. Cause Killing yeah, that was, that was a, that was a good game, but yeah, I think I think in terms of like the grand scheme of it all, it depends on you know how other teams are doing, and it kind of is like it's not it's kind of you know you control your own destiny of like where you finish, but obviously the lottery you know filters that. But yeah, it it's kind of goes down to whether you want to have you know higher chance of picking you know first or do you want to kind of show where you are right now and finish the season strong with you know the guys and finish you know and I'll pick seven yeah and also kind of says like if they do try to win more games this season they may also signal that they're confident that they can get someone in free agency whether that's like Jalen Brunson and yeah. Bridges or uh deandre ayton pistons we're, we're, we'll get into the the dream offseason but um yeah it's like kind of it kind of shows whether they think they can um they can recruit some players in free agency as well but really really quickly this is uh kind of sidetracking going on another on uh, another kind of tangent right here about just like the nba rookies in general i just also i wanted to just get this uh off my chest like I've seen it a lot. Like uh, they're like Mobley and Barnes are in a different tier, but Kay Cunningham is pretty solid or everyone just finds it 
is make it just finds it so easy to put Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley, even like Josh Giddy, all these rookies over Kay Cunningham. But this is this is kind of a plead. It's kind of like something that fans should consider. Consider that Cade has the highest usage rate out of all of these rookies. He's the only one that's that's basically a primary option, essentially. He's the one that's getting double teamed. He's the one that the defenses hone in on. Mobley and Barnes and Giddy are going to be phenomenal players, but we let's not act like Mobley isn't playing with now two all-stars. I called Jared Allen is now an all-star, and so is Darius Garland. He's playing with two all-stars. Scott, Scotty Barnes is playing with, you know, Fred Van Bleet. He's playing with Pascal Siab. He's playing with really good players. Like, Cade is just playing with Sadiq Bay and Jeremy. And same with Giddy, too. Giddy is playing with Shea Gilgus Alexander, who, although Thunder fans, it's I, I think most Thunder fans love SGA. There is a large amount of uh, Thunder fans that don't want SGA and they just want Giddy. But the reality is I think SGA is their guy. I feel like Cade is the only one that's like really getting, I don't know, like the heat from the defense, like NBA teams zone in on him. And the fact that he's been able to, you know, manage to get, you know, 19 or whatever, 20 points a game. Like, I feel like that's something that should not be like overlooked. Like, I think that's definitely something that fans need to consider. You know, it's like, who would, would you want Scotty Barnes leading the Pistons? Like, I, I think if you put Mobley on the Pistons or you put Scotty Barnes on the Pistons, I don't think they're doing what Cade's doing. But if you think if you put Cade on the Raptors, I think the Raptors are in, are in a much better spot because Cade just plays really well in the town. He won the MVP once you put some players, some solid players around him. Same for Mobley, too. I don't think Mobley, he doesn't elevate the Pistons in the way I think Cade does, but I mean, yeah, that's that's a little that's a little tangent there. I don't know, Aiden. What are your what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> it was kind of kind of off topic, but I just I just had to get it off my chest. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Mobley and Giddy and Barnes would all be you know good players on other teams. I think if you put them on the Pistons, they would be good, but they wouldn't be produce like you said, they wouldn't be producing the way Cade has. And I've said I've said this before. That game against, I think it was the Nuggets, where Cade had 34, 8, and 8. Mm-hmm. None of those other rookies have had a game like that. I know the Pistons lost that, but no other no other rookie has had a game where they just took over in every single aspect on offense, on defense, and they just show leadership. I think that's another big thing is that, you know, Mobley can rely on, you know, guys even even guys like Kevin Love who are still on the who are still on the Cavs and like you know more veteran guys I think that that speaks that Cade is kind of he's not really considered a veteran but he's considered one of the you know like more important voices in that locker room um and obviously like Scotty Barnes has Van Vliet, Siakam and not not to mention Nick Nurse is uh the coach so and obviously, a lot of people put him in high regards. Um. So yeah, I think I think that's important that you know, K doesn't. No one carries themselves the way K does in terms of the other the other rookies, and especially especially Jalen Green. Um, <laughs> he doesn't carry himself like that. Nah, I'm just playing. He's, he's been really pretty good though. actually. He's been pretty good. He's yeah. Been uh he's been getting better yeah he dropped like 27 against the jazz last night yeah he's 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 getting i think he's getting also into his groove but yeah i i just think 
in terms of all around, you mm-hmm. know, just all around uh, play. No, no one has put up the pro- production that Cade has. And like you said, he's, he's being like a number one option. And, you know, he's being guarded like a number one option too. And I think, I think that goes to show that like I I wouldn't say, I mean 30 and you know beat us so we gotta we gotta double team him we gotta take away his other you know his other uh you know assets and yeah so I think I think that's important but yeah yeah no I think uh, so all that talk about Kay Cunningham it's been clear when he has players around him, he can he can thrive. As Ashton, the trainer, uh, his trainer on Twitter, he's been he's been making it pretty clear that the Pistons have some big plans for the offseason. Whether that happens, we'll see. We'll hold him hold him hold him to his word. But um, Aiden, what would be your dream offseason for the Pistons? Like, let's say, give me like a prospect. You don't have to necessarily. I mean, obviously, we'd want the number one pick, but. Give me the prospect you'd want, and then maybe some other maybe trade or free agent signing that you you'd want them to do this offseason. Yeah, so I feel like I'm gonna ruffle some feathers amongst you and Neil and you know some other people. But for the draft, I, I want Chet. I want I want Chet. I'd take Chet at one probably. Um I mean obviously Jabari, I watched him on I think it was Saturday against Tennessee, and he he was unreal. He was hitting crazy shots where he's being double teamed, and he can still make those consistently. Um, but I I still want Chet. I think his length and just the the skill and everything about him, he's a unicorn, and you can play him wherever. Um, and then in free agency, I don't know. I'm not expecting them to make a huge splash. I know we've talked about like Jalen guys like Jalen Brunson before on here. Um, but yeah, I think if they sign, you know, a guard, they figure out everything amongst, you know, Corey Joseph, Frank Jackson, all those other guys. Uh, and then I think re-signing Bagley could be big. I don't know how much they would sign him for. I'm not sure how much he's looking for, but it's probably out of, I wouldn't say out of their price range, but it could be out of, uh, you know, what they, what they expect to, to get for him. Um, And then I think, I think a lot of people want bridges, but I've said this before. I love miles bridges, but guys who are in contract years will have unreal seasons and then fall short. You look at your guys, I think Gordon Hayward's a perfect example. I think everyone on Charlotte, like Nick Batum, like all their veterans that like previously have signed and like Kemba Walker's another guy where it's like they're in contract years and they have crazy seasons and then they go sign, you know, 130 mil, you know, Kemba got more than that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they signed big contracts and then they're not what they thought they were, and they kind of stink it up and are way below expectations. I'm worried about that with Bridges, 
Um, but obviously I like him because he's an MSU guy. So we'll see about that. But I think, yeah, re-sign Bagley, get, you know, a, another point guard, figure that out or just, yeah, something like that. And then, you know, find find a center maybe. That would, that would probably be my ideal ideal uh, free agency along with get Chet in the draft. Yeah, overall, I mean, pretty solid. I think getting Chet, I mean, that solves the center issue. And then they get someone in free agency, maybe not Bridges. I was also going to mention Bismack Biyombo was like the first thing that came to my mind as someone who balled out for the Raptors, I think in like the yeah. series against the Cavs, like in 2016. And then the Orlando just said, fuck it, I'm going to give you this four-year like 70 million dollar contract and you know right. they've never looked <laughs> they've never looked back ever since so I mean great for them but for me I think if I have to draft one I think I also would like would like Chet too like I, I honestly like if I had to just pick a draft prospect I would probably pick Chet but I think if I'm considering free agency too see I really want the Pistons to throw the bag at DeAndre Ayton I think he just fits Obviously, he has his injury issues and there's stuff like that, but I feel like he fits what the Pistons need so desperately. You know, a big play, such a great plays good on defense and is polished enough in the post to, you know, score, hold his own. I mean, he was amazing in the finals. I think Aiden is a player who the Pistons, I mean, if they get Aiden, they they kind of accelerate the build, the rebuild. And I also think Jeremy Grant, like you sign, you sign Aiden, and then maybe you draft someone like like a Jabari Smith Jr. And then now you're now you're like talking. You got a lineup of like Cade Bay, Grant, Jabari Smith, and Aiton. Or if you trade Grant, I mean, you can also you can just run it with Cade Bay and maybe sign someone, sign someone else in the free agency. And then what do you off. do with Bagley at, at that point, though? Yeah, I guess at that point maybe you or Bagley would be like the backup big. I mean, I guess. Yeah. I'm just trying to think. I mean, Stewart's your backup five at this point. Kelly. They would have like a trio. They would have a lot of bigs. So then you maybe have to trade Kelly. But any honestly, if they can get DeAndre Ayton, whoever they draft, I think will will make it will make it work. I don't think the Pistons should operate under the assumption that they get DeAndre Ayton, which is why I think taking Chet or like I think taking Chet is probably the best thing to do because at least if you have Chet, then you can maybe go for someone like Brunson or. Yeah, like Miles Bridges isn't exciting me, but you know, someone, someone like that, or maybe try to get someone like Mitchell Robinson, or you know, something like that. But oh, I like, yeah, I like Mitchell Robinson. I think, um, yeah, yeah. I want, I want to say this quickly because this was pointed out on Twitter last night. Aunt Wright tweeted uh, something along the lines of, "Would it be a positive or a negative?" if the Pistons drafted Paulo and signed Russell Westbrook in free agency, oh, they, he was like, he, he put up a poll and he goes, would that be a positive or a negative? What do you think about that? It's a negative. I don't mind Paulo. Like if that's the case, then sure. I'm not that high on Paulo. I think he'll be like, I think he'll be solid. Like he'll be, I, I don't want to like cap his ceiling, but I, I think at max, he's probably like a 20 point per game score in his career but the Russell Westbrook one just gives me that's not bad (laughs) so 20 point score I mean it's relative to like uh like Chet or Jabari who I think have maybe a little bit higher but uh also Paulo's defense kind of Cade is high on Paulo though so Cade has praised Paulo mentioned I don't know I don't know but 
his defense is also a little bit concerned, but I actually don't care about the Paulo. It's more so that the Russell Westbrook, I think that is where it's like, uh, uh, I don't know. I think there's no, no shade, no shade throwing at Russell Westbrook, but I think, I think the Pistons have their money to spend in better places. I think that's the best way of putting it. I don't know. I think that's a minus and they can draft, they can get Jabari and Paulo. They can get all three of those players. It's still a minus for getting Russell Westbrook for me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what, what was the what was the Twitter? What were the results of the poll? I think I think it was like eighty percent negative. It was it was pretty it was pretty uh it was pretty one sided. So I'm not I'm not sure. I have to I have to go and check. Yeah. But I mean I do think I do think that you know Westbrook probably doesn't play in the same role that he does at uh. Yeah. Yeah, it's seventy six percent negative and twenty four percent positive. But yeah, I mean, I think depending on where on what role Westbrook is and for like the money, we'll see. But I think yeah, in terms of like the locker room and everything like that, it uh, I don't think it'll work out. I think he's just gonna, you know, try to get his while, you know. He's, he's probably going off script of what, you know, Dwayne Casey and like Troy Weaver and the rest of them are trying to build. Um, it's great. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, okay. I was going to say, it's just kind of funny too, that Troy Weaver draft, he's the one that drafted Russell Westbrook. So maybe, maybe it is like what they were trying to build, but no, I see what you're saying for sure. But, um, so yeah. I think that that's in a year or two. I think so. I also wonder about Russell if he's like willing to. This is this is. I know the people are listening probably getting frustrated or even talking about Westbrook, but I don't even think he's ready to accept that type of role yet, where he's taking the back seat. I feel like he's tried to do it on the Lakers, but it just doesn't work out well. I think he's just someone who wants to be the number one guy, and it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, but um. But yeah, let's, this kind of this can kind of sum up this section. We can get into our final, our final thing is an NBA team that you're high on currently, a team that is playing good basketball, and you know a team that you think could how to make a run, make a run to the finals, or just a team that you think has just been they got it good, they got they got it good. Not not the Lakers, obviously, but you know a team that is really really doing their thing. Who do you who's your uh, team? I hate, I hate to say this. I have to say, I can't not say the Sixers. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think Harden and uh, I didn't think Harden was going to work out in Brooklyn to start, um, which obviously it was for different reasons than I thought with Kyrie. Um, but Harden and Embiid are two of the most hated guys in the league. And I think that's where they have a connection and have a bond. And it's just being hated by every, literally everyone else. And it's been working for them. And I think if they catch fire, uh, they could, they could be dangerous and they could make the finals. Um, I don't know about winning it though, but yeah, I mean, everyone has preached for Embiid to get a, uh, an all-star level guard um, in Philly 
for however long he's been there. And they finally got one, and they flourished. And yeah, it's it's hard not to not to pick them as a team that that I've been high on in in uh, recent you know weeks. So yeah, I think the I think the Sixers they have it so. I mean, also Tyrese Maxey is like he's already right. He's already kind of been a star, but now with Harden, like now he gets to play like the third role as their trio, and yeah. Maxie's been going off. They they're pretty like depth wise, they're also pretty solid. So definitely could see them making a run. My team, I'm gonna go with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, they've been playing some pretty phenomenal basketballs of lately. If you guys have been following the NBA, you guys would know that the Mavericks they came back against the Warriors. I believe it was like an 18, 19-1 run, something like that against the Warriors. They're able to beat the Lakers on the road. They've won eight out of their last 10 games. And now it is due to a couple of things. I think one, they've been shooting the ball incredible. They kind of did this last year in the playoffs against the Clippers. They were just shooting the ball ridiculously. So I think that's definitely, that's definitely something to consider. But I mean, we wrote the Mavericks out for such a long time and probably still, I don't think they're going to like, you know, make a finals run or anything like that. But I feel like the Spencer Dinwiddie trade, it got a lot of it got a lot of hate and I know he's like coming off the bench. So he's not like playing as big of a role, but I mean, for the Mavericks has worked out pretty well. I mean, didn't we coming off? He, he had like 24 thing against the, the Warriors it was. And Jalen Brunson is like been phenomenal. has been probably one of Luca's best, one of his best teammates all season. They have, they have depth. They have, you know, all the boy, Tim Hardaway and everyone. I think the Mavericks are definitely a, a team to keep an eye on because they're making a push kind of towards the upper half of the Western Conference. So definitely them. And also a quick shout out to the Minnesota Timberwolves who they beat the Warriors. The Warriors are just getting beaten a lot. The Timberwolves are also balling. They've won, I think, six out of the last 10. Nothing too crazy, but it's phenomenal to finally see them, you know, at least put what looks like to be like a playoff team. So hoping the best for those two teams. But yeah, I don't know. Aiden, any uh, any final thoughts on uh, those teams or anything else? Yeah. I mean, about the Warriors, they've been, I think they've been like two and eight in the last 10 games without Draymond. And they, yeah, they've struggled in like recent, um, in the recent uh, weeks. But I, yeah, I think I am concerned about them in terms of playoff positioning. Um, And I think, I think a lot of teams in the East should be concerned about playoff positioning, especially with, you know, Philly getting hot and, you know, we could get a Philly Brooklyn matchup in the first uh, round, which yeah. would be insane. Uh, and then, you know, we could, I mean, I think the Warriors, they could slip to, you know, three and maybe the four if they, if they're really that bad and that that's going to be different because right now they would play the Timberwolves or the Clippers in the in the for the playing game at the seven spot because they're the two and then if they if they move down they would play the nuggets or they could play the jazz or the mavericks which you know i would much rather play the timberwolves even though they they've been on a kind of a hot streak but yeah i think the warriors gotta you know i think they'll find a way to figure it out but they've had a run of poor form as they say in britain Exactly. Yeah, no, injuries are so pivotal. I think the Nets are like still dangerous. I mean, once KD comes back and then once Ben Simmons gets back up to playing condition like 
playing condition. And then the Clippers, I don't know if they plan on having Kawhi and Paul George come back, but I mean, if they have them, I think the Clippers are honestly probably favorites, assuming that they're like 80% healthy. Like, I think, uh, I think the Clippers become favorites. I think the Nuggets are someone like assumed. I think it is. They also said they were confident that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Who <laughs> fun, who got his car towed on TikTok. If y'all saw that, uh, I think, <laughs> no, I think, I think they have, they get those players back. I think, yeah, I mean, we're kind of just waiting to see, you know, which players come back because everyone's kind of a threat to the Suns who also without Chris Paul, the Suns are also like struggling. So injuries, man, they're, they suck right now, but I think teams are being smarter as they're heading down this home stretch and understanding that, you know, we may not get the best seed, but we're just, all we're trying to do is just be healthy into the playoffs because that's utmost importance, the, the health of the year player. So but yeah, yeah, the health of the players is everything. Hopefully wishing for a healthy end of the end of the season. Us at the Three Rings podcast, we'll try to, we'll be definitely making more episodes. Spring break came and, and midterms and all that stuff. It was kind of tough to get an episode out this month. But um, with the Pistons playing better basketball, we definitely get, are going to make more episodes. But yeah, that wraps up this episode. And you have any final words on the, on the pod? Yeah, we'll make more episodes as they get better but we're not fair weather fans we still watch the games we just yeah we just been chill yeah we still watch the games we promise yeah so we'll definitely we'll definitely try to get back um making more content making more episodes just uh just yeah it's getting fun uh playoff basketball is coming so lots of fun stuff to cover but yeah that wraps it up for this episode thank you guys so much for listening um we really do appreciate it uh, follow us on you know, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, wherever you're listening or wherever you want to check out our content. And yeah, that wraps this episode and peace, y'all. Peace.